asked me to minister, um, he, um, he said just whatever had been on my heart, and there had been a message that I'd ministered a couple times just to different places, so that's what we'll talk about today. Um, of course, if, if you haven't listened to the messages on Taking Ground, the series that we just finished, I really encourage you to. Um, they're on the podcast, on our website, and, and on iTunes, like Pastor Jordan said, but also they're going to make, I think, those available in a series to sell. So if you're not, um, you know, into iPods or iPads or, you know, iHope or whatever it might be, um, you can go ahead and get you, get you a CD and you can play it in your car or they're no longer available on 8-Track. Sorry, Brother Ronnie, but <laughs> there's still opportunities to take advantage of those messages. Amen. Pardon me? LP, yeah, those laser discs that lasted about two years. So um, t- today what we're going to be talking about, of course, is love. It all comes back to love. Um, you know, taking ground, and, and when Pastor Jordan was ministering on that, you know, he was talking about Joshua, um, taking ground, um, you know, being mentored by Moses, then um, taking over the leadership of the children of Israel, which was re- a rather dysfunctional church, I might add, um, getting them into the promised land and all of the different things they had to deal with when they were in the promised land. And if you noticed, you know, when Moses ran things, things were done differently. And one of the reasons Moses didn't make it into the promised land was, number one, he wasn't necessarily equipped to it. But number one, Moses had trouble changing. Because if you recall, God spoke to Moses and God said, hey, I want you to speak to that rock. Moses had gotten so used to using his staff and doing things a certain way that when God spoke to him, do it different. He struggled to do it differently. So instead of using his words, he wanted to use that staff when he was dealing with that rock. And if you notice, the first thing Joshua ran into when he got in the promised land was a wall made of rock. Had that been Moses, and he would have tried to stick with that staff the way he'd always done things and beat that wall with that staff, it never would have worked. Because God, what did they use? They used their voice, words. They used their words. That's part of the reason the transition took place. Moses got to see it, but Moses wasn't able to get there because there had to be a change. That's not a criticism of Moses. We can all do the same thing. But God had to do something. To, to get into a different place, they had to do something different. And Moses wasn't able to make that transition. Joshua was. And that's why Joshua was able to get into what Moses wasn't. And, and in the same way, you know, David had the plan for the temple, but it was Solomon who built it. So we see there are some things we can move toward, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're the ones that are going to help us be fulfilled. Amen. And that's encouraging, as Pastor Jordan's told us many times, God's a generational God. And, and, and one of the things that we need to think about, you know, are we willing to give ourselves towards something that we may never see manifest? One of the things that Joshua did, Joshua took Joseph's bones when they left Egypt. You guys remember Joseph? Joseph's the, the reason they were there. You know, uh, well, actually, he wasn't the reason. I guess it's his brothers. They sold him into slavery. Again, a dysfunctional family. He ends up down there a slave. Then he ends up second in command. And he says, hey, don't bury me here. This is not the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't, don't bury me here. This isn't where I'm supposed to be buried. So some 400 years later, they leave, and Moses says, take his bones. So they took his bones, and then when Joshua took over, he said, don't forget those bones. What were they doing? They were helping fulfill the promise God made to Joseph hundreds of years earlier. 
See, Joseph wanted a promise, but it never happened until 400 years later when Joshua buried his bones in the promised land. So it was the obedience of Joshua that helped that come to pass. And, of course, it was Joseph's obedience that also helped Joshua get into the promised land. So there are things that people in years past have done for us, prayed, sacrificed, did whatever they did so that we'd enjoy today what we're enjoying. And there are people down the road who will enjoy the fruit of what you do. You may never see it with your eyes. You may never experience it in your lifetime, but your children may or your children's children. Or listen, somebody you don't even know. And if I'm a person of love, that's not a problem. If I'm not a person of love, then I'm only willing to invest in it if I get to enjoy it or if my kids get to enjoy it. Love reaches beyond me. It reaches beyond my seed. It re reaches beyond my seed seed. It reaches to someone I don't even know someplace I can't even pronounce. But that's what love will do. Amen. I'm going to switch the slides up on you, Miss Brianna. Hopefully you can hang with me. If you could put 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 up there in the Amplified. Ms. 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 Jessica said, hey, give me some slides that you're going to use, and, and I'm, I've jumbled up the order. So if, if you look here, it says, pursue this love with eagerness. Make it your goal. It says love is your goal. Sometimes in a church like ours, we can hear about prosperity, and prosperity becomes our goal. Nothing wrong with prosperity, but that's not to be our goal. We think about health, healing and health. That's my goal. Well, that's not to be our goal. What's to be our goal? Love. Now, when I talk about love, I'm talking about agape. I'm talking about the God kind of love. We can think, well, I want the power. That's what I, I want, the power of God. That's my goal. No, love's to be my goal. Well, faith. I want to work on my faith. My faith, because the Bible says without faith you can't please God. No, love's to be my goal, because if my love is right, everything else is right. Love fixes everything. And that's why the devil fights you so hard in love. Now, when I'm talking about love, I'm not talking about husband, wife, huggy, kissy love. Nothing wrong with that if you're married. If you're not married, there is something wrong with that. Yeah, envy, fist pump. But if you're not married, that's a no-no. Just pointing at some of you are like, we hate you. <laughs> well, that's all right. But sometimes my daughters hated me. Before every youth camp, my daughters hated me, so it's really no, no big deal. <laughs> That's, that is her, the youth get that. My daughter's known for every year she'd come back from youth camp and she'd say, well, I had a lot of unforgiveness toward my dad and <laughs> I really didn't like him very much. And he wasn't, That's because I'm the dad of no. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I give the gift of no. <laughs> dad, can I? No. <laughs> Father, can we go see this movie? No. Yeah, now, now she calls me Brother Dad. Brother Dad? <laughs> Brother Dad. Yeah, like that isn't weird. <laughs> Can we? Uh, no. No. I give the gift of, I'm Dr. No. So, <laughs> but, if, 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 but if you do, if, if you study the word, you see, you know, like in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul goes through and he talks about the gifts of the Spirit and all of these great things that manifest. And we should want to see these manifest in our lives. But when we get to the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, but I'll show you a more excellent way. And what's he talk about? Love. Because he understands if I've got my love right, all that's going to work. And when we talk about faith, Galatians tells us, it says faith works by love. If you don't have, and listen, we all have faith. Because we're given the measure of faith when we join the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 tells us we have the measure 
of faith. So it's not like we don't have it. We have faith to do everything we need to do. The problem sometimes we don't have any fuel for our faith. Love is the fuel for your faith. It's like having a car with no gas. You just got an expensive paperweight. You need gas. You got to be able to use the thing. Well, same thing with our faith. You got to have love to use that faith. So we, we, sometimes we, we skip that step because that's the uncomfortable step. You, if, if you have things you have to do around your house and there's something you have to do that you hate doing, you notice how you push that off? Well, I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I don't like mowing grass. I just don't. I don't like mowing my grass. But we live in this neighborhood, and they have these homeowners associations. Now, I've never gotten one of those things in my mailbox because some neighborhood associations, they'll put something in your mailbox if your grass gets too high. They're like, hey, Farmer Sean, bell your yard kind of thing. I've never gotten one of those, but I, I just don't. I don't, you know, I don't get up thinking, yes, grass mowing day. This is awesome. Of course, now our kids are old enough to do that, so it's an added benefit. <laughs> we'll send them out to do it. Dad, it's like all you ever did is have us so we could work. Well, here's the gift of yes. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Lauren. I just, yeah, here's the gift of yes. That's not completely accurate, but hey. I'm going to take advantage of that. Olivia started driving this week. That's exciting. Settle down. Don't encourage her. So we've used her to run a number of errands, which is awesome. It's great. Then I don't have to do it. That's spectacular. <laughs> By the way, I'm sitting over there, you know, being holy, preparing to get up a minister and people, um, you know, the, again, the six of you clap. Thank you again. And Olivia leans over to me and she does this. She looks right in her face and says, love you so much. You're so great. You're so awesome. You're awesome. You're wonderful. And I just look at her and say, just don't talk to me. Be quiet. Just quit it. She felt like she had to take her mother's place or something to do that to me. <laughs> hey, church is fun. Praise God. So let's talk about love. Let's talk about love. If you would, please, let's turn in our Bibles to Romans 5.5. 5. Romans 5.5. 5. If you are a Christian, if you've joined the family of God, then you have the love of God in you, period. You look in your Bible and it says, Romans 5, 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God, oh, look at this, the love of God, not my love, not your love, not your friend's love, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is within us. So the love of God, God's love, the same love that Jesus had when he hung on that cross, and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's in each of us. And notice, it says it is shed abroad in our hearts. It doesn't say you got some of it. It doesn't say you got a smidge. It's all over you. You are full of this love. Full of it. You, you meet people that are full of a lot of stuff. You're full of love. You are full of God's love. And that, listen, listen. Sometimes we, we think, <laughs> well, you got that person in your life. Or maybe you got a few, a few, and, and, and you see them, and on the inside you just, uh, you got, uh, I don't know how, I can't put it in English, but you know what I'm talking about. You see that person, oh, here they come, uh, uh, you got the, uh, about that person. They, they bug you or something about, you know, uh, and for some reason we get born again and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, but we think we got this one place where the love doesn't go and they live there. Right there. It's about this big. Now, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart except for this little quarter-sized section of my heart. And that's where, you know, that's where Uncle Joe lives. 
and I see him every Thanksgiving, and he, you know, in between puffs of his Marlboro Unfiltered, he tells me why praying in tongues is of the devil, and God want you know, God, you know, that's where Uncle, you know, Fester, whatever you want to call him, lives. He lives right in there. You don't like the guy. But that's not the case. See, we make exceptions because, well, it, it justifies our lack of love for people in some instances. Now, listen, that doesn't mean you like everybody. The Bible doesn't say you have to like everybody. There are people who have different tastes. There are people who have different personalities. But we have to love everybody. And we can love every single person, every, regardless, regardless. Now, listen, I know that it's easy for us to say, well, but I feel... Listen, the last thing you want to do is listen to your feelings. The last thing. The last thing. You know, in, in a court of law, they have something called a hostile witness. And a lawyer will call them up and say, this is a hostile witness, which means, you know, we're going to call them up to testify for us, but we really don't trust what in the world they're going to do kind of thing. That's what your feelings are. Your feelings are a hostile witness. They will lie to you all the time. All the time. One of the worst decisions you can ever make is listen to your feelings. When someone starts out a conversation and says, well, I feel. Well, wait a second. You might have already been lied to. Why do you want to go down the road of how you feel? Now, there's nothing wrong with feelings. God gave us feelings. But feelings aren't to lead our lives. Amen. And, and again, feelings is why we have that one little spot again that uh, Uncle, you know, whatever lives. Or Aunt Susie. You know, who, who always wants to kiss you, but she's got that man beard thing. It's, it's weird. <laughs> they live there. They make me very... Well, as a matter of fact, we were going through, through, through a coffee place this morning, and it's this guy with a, with a full, like a man beard. He gives me my coffee, and I, thank you, I say, thank you, sir. And Olivia's in the back, and she says, wasn't that a woman? <laughs> well, she didn't, she didn't see. She didn't see this because this woman was serving me, and then this guy gave me the coffee. She didn't see the coffee. The guy gave me a coffee, and I said, well, thank you, sir. And she's like, Dad, you just called that woman a sir. I'm like, are you serious? The dude, like, had a real man beard. And she's like, Dad. And then she finally realized she was wrong. It's like she, it was a follically challenged woman or something. But anyway. But when we talk about love, the love of God that is in us, we have the ability to love everyone regardless of what they have done to us. And love is to be our goal and our aim. You know, some people make the state's mistake and they think, oh, this person was used in a miracle. Doesn't mean they're mature. People think, oh, this person was used in the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Aren't they mature? Not necessarily. See, a gift is just that. It's a gift. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You just got born. I like to use this example on your birthday. Why do you get a gift? What'd you do? On your birthday, why do we give you a gift? It was dark. It was light. Here's a gift. Your mom should get the gift on your birthday. You didn't do anything. And then we expect our mom to give us a gift on our birthday. It's my birthday, mom. Anyway my birthday mom and then we, you know we get upset our mom didn't give us a gift well wait, wait a second she gave you a gift like nine hours of it so what exactly are you expecting and it's the same way with the father the father gives these gifts because of his grace because of his love because of his mercy 
And then we think, oh, someone used that gift. That means they're mature. No, they didn't do anything to deserve that. That's not an indication of maturity whatsoever. Now, we can get skillful in that, and that takes some maturity. But the thing that really indicates if we have some maturity is the fruit of the Spirit. What about love? Listen, I don't care if you're using a miracle. How do you get along with your mother-in-law? That's my mother-in-law, by the way, who said that. Yeah, yeah. hecklers in church. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. Self-control. <laughs> Goodness, gentleness, mercy. You know, it's great that someone's used in the gifts of the Spirit, but how do they get along with other people? Do they have self-control or do they have a thought it falls out their mouth every time they have a thought? That's maturity. Why? Because a, a gift, like we said, is just really given. What's a fruit? A fruit's something that has to be produced over time. That's an indication of someone's maturity. And listen, that fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of someone who's been baptized in the Holy Ghost, praise and tongues. That's just any Christian should have that. Sometimes people think, well, you have to be a person who prays in tongues to have that kind of fruit. No, just being a believer is who that is. So all of those things should be manifest in all of our lives. Now, are we always the best at it? Oh, no. If you think you are, ask the person beside you. They'll let you know. But again, if you're not good at it, don't ask them because then we'll have a fight and then we'll have to do all that sort of stuff. But it's the fruit that indicates maturity, not the gifts. Now, that doesn't mean if someone's used in the gifts, they're immature. But you don't want to make the mistake of thinking, oh, my goodness, will they have it all together? No, that was freely given. That doesn't mean there's some maturity. Someone who can hold their tongue. That's what I'm looking for. Someone who's pleasant, they're nice. Even in unpleasant circumstances, they're nice. It's not the person who always blows their top, or it's not the person who gets on Facebook and thinks they need to correct everybody's doctrine. And if that's you, bless your heart. Amen? Praise God. But it's this love, this love that God has put in us and given us this ability to, to, well, to show him. God is love. God is love. Even when other people are wrong, we can demonstrate that love. Fellas, the, the Bible says that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus gave everything for the church. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. The church was doing everything wrong, but he gave himself for it. So, fellas, we can't be in a situation where our wife has done or said something wrong, and then we get all mad, and, well, she did wrong, and she did well, that's not how Jesus responded to the church. Jesus, the son, didn't turn to the father and said, I ain't going down there. They're acting a fool. What did he do? He said, I'll go and fix it. Why? Because I love the church. That's what we're supposed to be, guys. So we can't take the attitude if there's a situation between us and our spouse. Well, she did wrong. Well, maybe so, but that's not very Christ-like. Now, on the flip side, ladies... I mean, you can't use that against him. Well, you're supposed to treat me like the church. Well, then act like you've been to church sometime in your life. <laughs> so this goes both ways, you know. It says, submit ye one to another. It says, submit ye one to another. Love understands where it's strong and where it's not. 
And love says, listen, you're better at this than me. You understand more at this than me. You've got a better approach to this. You, you're more mature in this than I am sort of thing. And it says, why don't you take the reins on that? Because you're just, you're just better at it than I am. You know, so we don't want to use these verses against our spouse. You know, remember what Brother Sean said. <laughs> don't do that to me. That's why only six people clap their hands. I remember that sorry guy. <laughs> but when we're talking about the love of God and we look at the love of God, let's do this. Let's take a test. Let's see where we are. The word, the word tells us in Ephesians, it says, listen, we should be rooted and grounded in love. It didn't just say rooted. It said rooted and grounded. Those are two completely different things. Rooted means you've got your roots in it, but you, you can be easily pulled out. If you've ever done any yard work, and I've done a lot of it because of my wife. There are things that are hard to get out, and then there are things that are easy to get out. And it's all based on the roots. Is something rooted, which means its roots have gone into it, or is it grounded, which means the roots have gone into it and they've really taken hold? Because sometimes we can think, well, I'm rooted in love. Well, we can think I'm grounded in love. But then somebody says something, we get upset, and we get pulled out of love, and we start doing whatever it is, you know, saying what we shouldn't say or doing what we shouldn't do or something like that. And we've all been there. It's not like I'm standing here telling you that I've never done that. I've certainly done that. We all have. But the more grounded we get, we don't just put our roots in it. We get grounded, and we take a hold, and we're like, you're not pulling me out of love. You're not pulling me out of it. I'm not going to go there in my thinking. I'm not going to go there in my speech. I'm not going to go there in my actions. Before I do anything, I think, is that love? Is that, if that's not love, I'm not saying it. If that's love, I'm not doing it. If that's love, I'm not responding that way. And I'm also mature enough to understand that when someone reaches out to me in love, I don't get pouty and upset about it. They said something to me that made me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's love. Trying to help you. That's love trying to help you. See, if I can never take any kind of love help or love guidance or love corrected, then I am destined to stay where I am the rest of my life, and I'll never get any further. So love isn't just I got to be nice to other people. There are times that love says to me, you need to make this change. And sometimes God will use somebody to do it, somebody that God has put in your life to help you, and you've got to make the decision. I'm going to take that love or I'm going to reject it and be upset because love reached out to me. Amen? Because, you know, every time God talks to me, it isn't always flowery. I mean, sometimes he just asks me, Sean, what were you thinking? I mean, God talks to you the way you get it. You know, some people he talks to them, I guess, in the King James. For me, it's always the message, paraphrase. <laughs> Sean, that was dumb. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but it's a way that I can understand because he's talking to me the way that I, I talk. Amen. So look in here, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. We're going to look at the Amplified. And we're going we're gonna to do a test. The Bible says, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. Well, you can't be in faith if you're not in love. So we could also say, examine yourself to see if you be in love. No pinching your neighbor. No looking at your spouse. No side-eyeing them. Sometimes you kind of side-eye them like, that's so you. <laughs> let's not do that. We're Christians. Let's act like it. Look in here at the Amplified. Everywhere that this says love, 
we should be able to insert our name. <laughs> Yay! Getting all you back who didn't clap for me. Everywhere it says love, we should be able to insert our name. And that should be exactly right. Now, is it going to be, oh no, we're going to fail quick. But we can get here. Jesus grew in stature and measure and favor. And the same way Jesus grew, we can grow. So hopefully if we take this test a year from now, we'll do better on this test than we're doing right now. And some of you may do awesome. Some of you may stink. Don't know. But it's a test we can all take. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to randomly select my good friend Daryl Cook, and I'm going to insert Daryl's name where it says love. <laughs> Just because, that's right, I can. <laughs> and he didn't clap for me. So if we look up here, we're, and, it, and it is, you need to just to yourself think. Everywhere it says love, you should be able to put your name and you're in a flow. Because we, again, we just said Romans 5, 5, that love is shed abroad in our heart. We've got it. Yes, We've got it. But the key is, am I using it? The key is, am I using it? So we look up here, Daryl. Oh, this is awesome. I've been waiting for this. Daryl endures with patience too late too late too late it's like it's like when your kid does something wrong i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry you are sorry because you got caught you are not sorry if you're really sorry you would have never done that you are sorry because you got caught and and again my, one of my favorite sayings i am unmoved by your tears there's trouble coming down your avenue so daryl endures with patience and serenity D are you patient <laughs> Listen, you don't have to answer these questions. They're kind of, I'd probably be better if you didn't. Love it, patient. Daryl's patient. Am I patient? Am I patient in the checkout line? You know, you get to the checkout line. We, I was behind a lady the other day in the checkout line, and she actually paid with a check. Now, no offense if you pay with a check, but she waited to kind of dig around for it after like 1,500 items had been scanned. I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, are you, are you serious about this? And she's digging around, digging around, digging around, and then she finally finds it and then makes it out and needs help making it out. And, and, and I mean, I, you know, love's patient. I wasn't kicking over, you know, the starburst display or anything like that. But love is patient. Love's like, you know, it's all right. Because guess what? People have to be patient with us. People have to be patient with us. That's something we always need to remember. But am I patient? Am I patient with the person that always has 15 questions concerning anything I ever have to ask them to do? Or you have to explain it to them again and again and again. Samuel, Samuel's back in the back helping, so I'm going to use him. Samuel, it's like on 12-year-olds, ears are optional equipment, man. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I told you like five times. What? <laughs> I'm like, you... I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, my wife says, well, he's just like you. So I, it's all right, I use love, I'm good, I'm good. But you have to be patient, and you've got to be patient with your kids. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, settle down. In Ephesians 6, 4, it's why it says, guys, husbands, don't, fathers, don't provoke your kids to wrath, because guys, we have a tendency to lose our temper and blow our top and not be as patient as we should be so that's why it says that to us amen 
So Daryl endures with patience and serenity. Daryl is kind and thoughtful. It's like a Hallmark movie or something. <laughs> Am I kind? Thoughtful, do I think of other people's feelings? Do I think of how this sounds when it comes out of my mouth? Do I think before I talk? Because there are times we can say things, and if we listen to what we say, we're like, oh my goodness, that didn't sound good. Do I think about that before I let it fly? Listen, if I ever, well, it's kind of like this, uh, talking to people about kids and spanking kids. Don't spank a kid when you're angry. Well, sometimes we don't need to talk when we're angry or talk when we're mad. I was in a hotel room with a guy, and his wife was there, and something happened, and he said some words to her, and we could all tell immediately, oh, this is bad, because his wife just turned and looked at him, and I thought, <laughs> we, we could all die right here and now. It was, I mean, it was bad, and she walked out of the room unpleased, and he looked at me and said, you know, have you ever said something, and you wish you could just take those words and grab them all up and cram them back in your mouth? And I was like, yeah, bro, but that cat's out of the bag, man. You're in trouble. I said, you're in trouble. Well, if I'm thoughtful, I don't do that. Now, there are times you can make a mistake and that happens, but listen, that shouldn't be your practice. You've got the reputation of being the motor mouth and you just, you know, like I said earlier, a thought comes in your brain, falls out your mouth, and everybody's like, that's gross. Why'd you let that loose? That's one of those things, guard my mouth. The Bible does say to do that, you know. So, Brother Daryl, is not jellious, jellious. <laughs> you don't work out enough, I guess maybe you're jellious. <laughs> Brother Daryl's not jellious <laughs> or envious. He does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. They're jealous, another translation, it says he doesn't boil over with jealous envy. Um, you know, if you've ever had something that you're cooking on the stove, like if you've ever cooked um, like tomato sauce, and if you turn it up too high, what ends up happening? It starts going bloop, bloop, bloop. And then it splatters all over the place. Or, or like me, I'll put like chili, warm up chili in the microwave. And then I don't put the paper towel on the top of it. And it gets, and Jenny's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. It gets the same thing the first 50 times I did that. And it gets all over the place. Well, that's what jealousy is. Jealousy cannot be contained. And, and jealousy doesn't mean you're looking at somebody and thinking, man, that's wonderful. You look at somebody and you kind of take the attitude, I deserve that more than them. Someone gets a blessing and they give a testimony and your first thought isn't praise God. Your first thought is, why not me? How come that didn't happen for me? I'm more deserving than they are. I've been to church a lot longer than they have. That's what jealousy is. Envious. You envy someone's position. You envy what someone can do. You envy someone's gift. There's nothing wrong with recognizing and think, man, that would be awesome if that happened to me. But you don't take the attitude of me instead of them about what about all of us you know it's kind of like the person that looks at you know the the mansion of the of, of of the mega preacher and gets mad about it instead of realizing well you know we could all have that amen but again it's, it's your joys full some people their joys full with a two-bedroom ranch doesn't mean you have to do whatever amen but see, jealousy can't be contained because what will happen is you start to be jealous in one area, you'll get jealous in other areas. There are people who are jealous of their spouse. They're jealous of their own children. 
Their children get too much recognition, it bugs them. Their mate gets too much recognition, it bugs them. So jealousy isn't something that you can control. It's going to boil over, and when something boils over on the stove, it gets everywhere. And it will. It may start in work, it will get in your home. It may start at work, it will get in the church. It may start in your personal life or your business or your professional life, it will get in your private life. You can't control it. It, it, it is uncontrollable. But the only way to stop it is with love. That's why the Bible says, hey, when one person's blessed, we all are encouraged and, and, and we should be thankful for them. When one person suffers, we all suffer. Why? Because when it affects them, it affects us. So back to Brother Daryl. Brother Daryl's not a braggart. He's not proud. He's not arrogant. The Bible says don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't think highly of yourself. That would keep a lot of our young girls out of the backseat of boys' cars if they thought more highly of themselves. I tell my girls, and I make no apologies for it, you are all that. Now, that doesn't mean other people aren't all that, too. All you girls are all that. So when you get some Rudy Poop boy coming around, realize you ain't worth it. God bless the heart of the boy who pulls up to my house and beeps his horn, thinking my daughter's going to come running out of the house like some Pavlovian dog and jump in his car. Somebody be coming out of the house, that'll be me. Bless his darling heart and stupid head. Olivia loves when I talk about this. But if you can't deal with me, you can't deal with the devil. So I want a young man. I don't want a hairy boy coming to my house. And again, as I've said before, let me also do this the other way. I hope somebody does that to Sammy. If for some reason Sammy's supposed to marry one of your little girls, put him through it. If he don't come home with his pants wetted from pee, you ain't doing it right. Put it on the boy. Help him understand this ain't some play with it thing. Oh, we're going to play house for a month and then we're going to be done. Anywho. Well, 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 well you're helping us. <laughs> some of the youth hate me. And again, I'll lose not an ounce of sleep over that. Not a, not a big <laughs> Olivia told me one day, she said, what is it you told me all your friends think that I think they're all axe murderers and they don't like me or something like that? Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I don't care. No. <laughs> Love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't put me first. If I'm having a conversation, I'm like, but I feel. There are two problems with that. I and feel. It's all about you. It's all about you. Now, you should be able to have conversations maybe with your spouse or something like that. But if your conversations are usually starting with I feel, that's two strikes against you. You got uh, like one more. And then we've got a problem because your focus is you and how you feel. Well, what about all the other people involved in this situation? Young people, well, let, let me, well, this is a sidetrack. When did I start, by the way? Pastor Jordan, you know when I started? Okay. Well, I won't go too much longer. I'm getting some of that. Shut up. Shut up. Please shut up now. Um. Young people, let me encourage you, and this goes back to love. Uh, and again, this is all part of this text. It all goes back to love. When young people get married and they struggle in marriage early on, one of the reasons is because they didn't focus on bettering themselves before they got married. And here's why. When I'm a single young person, 
my focus should be God and my relationship with him and taking his counsel. Because you see, what happens is when I understand it's not my will, it's his will, then I'm not used to getting my way all the time. When I'm in fellowship with the Father and Father's giving me directions and telling me different things to do or not to do or whatever, then I realize I'm not just feeding my will and what I want all the time. There's somebody else in this relationship. So when I get married, it's just more of what I've already been doing. There's someone else in the relationship. It's not always about my will. It's not always about what I want to do. So I've got no problem saying, let's do what you want to do. It's not self-seeking. It's about me. It's about what I want to do. Amen? It's just not. It's really no big deal. It's really okay. I don't have to do what I want to do. And if I'm not at a place where I am doing that and I jump into marriage, understand it's going to be hard for you because you're used to having your way. And when you get married, it's not about you. What is yours is hers, period. And what's hers is his. Amen? And, and it'll also really help when you're trying to pick a restaurant. Denny's famous for that. Where'd you like to eat, honey? Oh, you pick. Okay. Well, why don't we go here? Oh, no, I don't want that. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm going to pick. What about this? Oh, no, I'm not in the mood for that. Really? All right. Well, what about here? No, I don't want to go there either. All right, then. Why don't you pick? Oh, no, I want you to pick. I've tried. I'm done. I've tried. You pick. Crying out loud. But, but I do all that in love. Not that any of you, but listen, if you've been married 15 minutes, it's probably happened to you. So. Anyway. But again, back to Brother Daryl, he's not self-seeking. He's not provoked or overly sensitive and easily angered. And, and <laughs> Daryl, no pointing at your spouse. Daryl's like, again, let's make sure we understand the difference between sensitive and touching. Sensitive people are spirit-led. Touchy people are soulishly led. If I'm always dealing with hurt feelings, I'm touchy. That got a round of applause. Again, now that, that, that doesn't mean people aren't going to do things that makes you uncomfortable and hurt your feelings, but here, here's the thing. If you are always having to deal with that, you're touchy. And here's another indicator that you're touchy. That happens, and then you go tell someone else about it. Sensitive people take it to the Father and leave it there. Touchy people take it to others to spread it around. And then what ends up happening, let's say that I, someone hurts my feelings and I tell Miss Arlene, Miss Arlene, let me tell you about what Madonna did. <sighs> I think she's probably dealing with something that's difficult right now. I just want you to pray for her. That's a bunch of poop. I don't want her to pray for it. I just want to feed her my filth. So now when I do that, now she's got to deal with her attitude about Donna because she hurt my feelings and Miss Arlene cares for me so much. That's what people do. They don't come to you with that garbage because they want help, especially if they understand anything about love. The answer is easy. Just forgive them. That's it. But they're not coming with, to you because they want that counsel. They want you to jump in here with them and be involved in this sort of thing. That's how that works. 
If you've got somebody who's calling you and they always have hurt feelings, understand, they just want you to jump in there and wallow around with them in that pit of unforgiveness. The answer is easy, forgive them. Forgive them. When you start telling people that, they'll stop calling you with that. And listen, if you notice you're consistently getting these calls, let me say this in love, you, you get those calls because you're a gossip dumpster. People know you'll listen to it, so they'll call you. And then you wonder, how come I'm struggling with my feelings? Because you let people keep dumping all this garbage on you. When you say, forgive them, that's the answer. Quit, quit telling me about it, forgive them. Now listen, when someone's a new believer and they're struggling in these areas, you know, they may need to talk to someone, and there's nothing wrong with talking to someone, get help. But if you're supposed to have some level of maturity, the only person you need to go to is the Father. And the Father will help get all of that sort of garbage fixed. Amen. But you see right here with Brother Daryl, he's not overly sensitive or easily angered. That doesn't happen with Brother Daryl. And if you also notice, Brother D by the way, you should be putting your names in this. Don't raise your hand, but how you doing? <laughs> Brother Daryl does not take into account a wrong endured. He doesn't take into account a suffered wrong, the King James says. Let me put it this way. He doesn't have a list of stuff you did. Do you remember when you did that or when you did that? It's like two years ago. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Actually, it's a little less than two years. I know. And you did this and you did this and you did this. That was a big one. By the way, that was at the kid's birthday party. How embarrassing. <laughs> what is that? So that's someone who's taken an account. They took an account of what you did. And bless God, they're not going to forget it either. So when someone does something to me and I come to Brother Barry and I said, Brother Barry, could you please help me with this situation with this person? He says, forgive them. I said, oh, I did. Well, then why are you talking to me about it? You obviously still have that account. When you forgive, you don't have that account anymore. Listen, you can't make a withdrawal out of an account you haven't made a deposit into. So you're withdrawing that to deposit it to me. If it wasn't in your account, how are you going to withdraw that to give it to somebody else? If it's not in your account, you can't withdraw it. The reason you withdrew it, and don't tell me you forgave them. That's such a lie. If you forgave them, again, you wouldn't keep bringing it up to me. Well, I forgave them about that situation. Then why is this the fifth time I've heard it? It's like you've got, I don't know. You keep gaining interest and getting more money out of it or something. The offense is growing in your life. You don't keep an account. You forgive, you wipe it out, and you don't keep bringing it up. Brother Darrell doesn't do that. Brother Darrell does not rejoice in injustice, he, um, but rejoices when truth and right and truth prevail. You know, you shouldn't be happy when someone's lied about just because you don't like them. That's not good. Okay, what's the next slide there? Daryl bears all things, regardless of what comes. He's a steady Eddie. He's not peaks and valleys. He's not a roller coaster Christian. I'm really happy I'm on the mountaintop. Oh, my lands, I'm at the bottom of the hill. You know, this morning when we came to church, Chloe went in my bathroom in the office and puked. Yay, right before I preach, this is exciting. I'm sitting at my desk at my nose going, Bleh! I'm like, what is that? You know, that, that's like someone said one time, it might have been Patsy Caminetti, she said, you know, you, you read these accounts of like Elijah and Elisha, and they have all these great things happening that go from one to the other, but there are years and years and years between those events, and what do people do in between these great events? Well, they're just Christians. They just live. You know, 
throw kids puking in your bathroom or kids, or not kids, hopefully not your child, could be, you know, pooping in your living room. Our dogs do that. Diaper blowouts, snotty noses, stumblers, epic, I might add. Goodness sakes, it's amazing what those guys could produce in their, in their nasal cavities. But it's life. And yeah, we're called to live in victory, but there are times that difficult times come. We just got to keep moving through that, amen? And be a, we make the mistake of thinking all of the Christian experience is a mountaintop experience, and we're all glowing, and it's a mountain transfiguration, and we're all spectacular. Well, no, sometimes there are times you're like, man, this is, a, this is a tough spot. What do you do? You do what you know to do. You keep on your confession. You pray. You stay with the word. You do those sorts of things, amen? So we see here, love bears up on, or Daryl, excuse me. Sorry, Brother Daryl, didn't mean to. Didn't mean to shortchange you. Brother Darrell believes all things. Now, that doesn't mean he believes everything he's told. Darrell, there's a leprechaun. Really? Great. <laughs> no, read the rest of it for crying out loud. Brother Darrell's looking for the best in each one. Sometimes we jump to the negative instead of the positive. Someone says something, I automatically take it the wrong way. Love thinks the best. What's love say? Well, maybe, maybe I took it wrong. It doesn't say they're wrong. It says maybe I misunderstood. That's what it means, love thinks the best. Love isn't naive, but love says, well, wait, maybe I misunderstood what they meant. Or maybe that just came out the wrong way. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're under a lot of pressure and something squirted out. The, have you ever said something you wish you hadn't have said? Has something ever come out the way you didn't want it to come out? Have you ever done something you shouldn't have done? Then why don't we extend that same mercy to someone else? Well, you know, maybe, maybe they're just having a tough time right now. I'm not automatically going to go to the negative. Because what happens when you go to the negative, then in your mind you run down this trail. And you get madder and madder and madder and madder and madder and madder. And then you find out, oh, it wasn't even true. Well, you just wore yourself out going down this path, meditating on the wrong thing, instead of thinking the best and saying, well, listen, the best, line, the, the, the best thing I can tell don't take it personally. Just don't take it personally. It's not about you. See, you can't offend a dead man. The Bible says, I must decrease so he may increase. The Bible says, I die daily. So what do I do? Well, listen, I don't care what funeral you go to. If you walk up, if you walk up to the casket, you tell someone that tie doesn't go with that jacket, what's wrong with you? They're not going to be offended by that. Why? They're dead. The more dead to that kind of thing we become, the less offended we'll be. Brother Darrell hopes all things. He remains steadfast during difficult times. He endures all things without weakening. Brother Darrell never fails. He never fades or ends. Love doesn't do that. Now, let me finish with this. I think I have about 10 minutes left. Let, let, let me finish with this. Um, in, in Mark chapter 11, where it talks about the prayer of faith, and we're all familiar with that passage, if you say into this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. But at the end of it, we forget that part that says, but if you have ought or unforgiveness in your heart against anybody else, get that fixed first. And sometimes we try to stand in faith when we're in unforgiveness, and it doesn't work, and here's why. Here's why. Okay, I'm, I used Brother Daryl, so I'm not going to use Brother Daryl this time. I, I, need, I need Brother D. Come on up, Brother D. By the way, this is the guy in my life group that didn't clap for me. Come on up. So let's say we got Brother D. He's excited to be up here. Look at that. Hmm? 
Yeah, what'd you do last Friday? Oh, yeah. That was real cool. He found some pictures of me with a full head of hair and pointed that out. Like multiple times. <clears throat> anyway. So let's say we got Brother D. Sadly for Brother D, Brother D's not Daryl. And he is easily offended. Now listen, you can never, ever, ever say they offended me. That's a lie as a Christian. No one ever offends you. You just chose not to forgive them. Again, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. If you're a Christian, you can never, ever be offended. You have to choose not to forgive. So someone calls you and says, oh, they offended me. No, you automatically, no, they just didn't forgive them. Listen, Jesus hung on the cross, had his beard plucked out, was beaten so badly he didn't even look like a man. He looked like a piece of meat. And he said, Father, forgive them for what they said. Somebody posts something on social media about us we don't like, we freak out. Or they say something about our kid we don't like, we freak out. Or they sit in our seat at church and we freak out. We've taken the, the love of God and watered it down so much we let things affect us that should never affect us. Here's the problem with that. Like I said, you're never actually offended you're just presented an opportunity to be offended so here's something i did to brother d that he didn't like brother d i, I hate that guy's disgusting i've just given him an opportunity to be offended he can take it or he can forgive me well again brother d's not sensitive he's touchy so what's brother d do look at him boy he wants it he, look he wants it bad look at him some people love to be offended Love it. Love it. Crave it. They crave drama. I need drama. I need drama. And if, and if, and if things are too peaceful, they go looking for it. What's something I could be upset about? You laugh. Miss Mary knows somebody. Oh, my lands. So Brother D takes it. Take it. Terrible. No, take the whole thing. You love it. Take it. I hate that tie. So Brother D took it. He didn't have to. He could have forgiven me, but he didn't. Why? Love. But here's what happened. Brother D's easily, he, he didn't stop there. So let's say Will, let's say we go tonight and we go to Tumbleweed, a life groups at Tumbleweed tonight. Woo! And let's say that he, uh, D is eating his second quesadilla and Will's like, dude, slow down. Are you kidding me? You're going to eat it, eat the whole restaurant? So he takes another offense. And in praise and worship, Angie turns around to him and says, D, come on, man, you've got to hit that note. That sounded awful. <laughs> and then, you know, he's, he's out on a lovely evening with Miss Caitlin. She's, she's like, come on, D, you put, on, put on some deodorant or something, right? Got that? <laughs> now listen, we laugh, we laugh, but spiritually, this is what it looks like when we take offense, when we don't forgive. How do you know you've got offense against somebody? When you see them, you've got that, uh, about that person. Do I have that Bible? Oh, I'm just looking for more offense. Brother Chad sees Brother D. I don't know, Brother Chad, you want to take a shot? No? Okay. But he says something, Brother D gets offended again. 
and see it just keeps going and going and going. Pastor Jordan gets on him. Hey, why don't you try to be on time sometime? That'd be nice. Right? Brother's D mom sees Brother D's mom sees his car. She's like, "Hey, you can you can clean that. You know, water won't kill it." And what happens? See, we laugh and we think, "Man, this is funny," but this is how people live their lives. This is how people live their lives. They do. And listen, so when the Bible says, hey, lay aside every weight that so easily besets you so that you may run the race, how's he going to run anything with that? See, and here's why the Father says, listen, before you pray that prayer of faith where you want something from me, you got to forgive. Because what will happen, then the Father says, hey, I got what you've been believing for, but he can't take it. He's too full of offense. He doesn't have any room to hand. He can't take anymore. He's so full of offense. He's so full of unforgiveness. He's so full of not receiving what the Father has. He just receives all this offense, and he doesn't forgive. He's not like Brother Darrell. He's Brother D. This is so embarrassing. Everybody sees this, by the way. So the Father tries to give him what he's believed God for, but there's no room to take it. So the Father's like, I want to, I want to, I want to, but you're choosing you instead of me. You're choosing how you feel instead of what's going to bless others. You're choosing how, uh, how, how your emotions are running rampant in your life instead of what's going to be a blessing to other people. So the Father comes and he brings something. Would you like a mint? Would you like a mint? Like, I'm going to put this in your mouth. That's gross. That's disgusting. Plus, you don't, you don't know. You don't know the last time I washed my hands. Why would you want to do that? I mean, my kid just did puke in my bathroom, I might add. So God wants to bring something wonderful. God wants to bring a blessing. But this is why he says, listen, listen, listen. Before you pray that, won't you forgive? And then you'll be free to take everything I have for you. But he can't take anything right now. Why? He's taken all this offense. He's chosen not to forgive. And what happens is then when he comes to bring his supply to the service, it's polluted. It's not what it should be. It doesn't offer the potency that it should offer. It shouldn't be the kind of blessing that we know Brother D to be. So Brother D, you need to be more like Brother Daryl. going to sit here for a bit this is awesome so if, if we look at colossians chapter 3 would you put that verse up there please colossians chapter 3 out of the new living it says how long do you think you can hold that see here's the problem the longer you hold a fence it starts affecting your body people start breaking down people get fatigued disease can find a way in you know there's only so long that he can endure that trying to act like a Christian, trying to look like a Christian, trying to talk like a Christian with all that baggage in his life. You getting tired? Yeah. Wearing down. Looking a little peaked. That's what happens when you try to hold on to a fence and you refuse to let it go. So we look at here at Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. The New Living Translation says, <laughs> hey, hey, you, you going to clap for me next time? 
<laughs> All right, let me help. Let me let me help him out before we move on. Yeah, don't break that table because I'm not going to pay for it. You will. It's your offense, you big baby. <laughs> By the way, I don't know whose waters these are, so I wouldn't drink. Drink after them. Thanks, Brother D. Everybody, give Brother D a big hand clap. He did a great job. And give Brother Daryl a hand clap, too. Brother Daryl was outstanding. Now, looking here at Colossians chapter 3, it says, Make allowance for other, each other's faults. Make allowance for it. What's that mean? Give somebody some wiggle room for crying out loud. Just because they make a mistake doesn't mean you ought to brand them knucklehead automatically. Let somebody earn that title before you just throw it on them, all right? And listen, 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 we don't want to be a person who's consistently doing that because if you've got a reputation for anything, the only way you got that reputation is by repeatedly doing that. You don't get a reputation for something just because you did something once. It's repeatedly been done. That's how that takes place. So make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. We just talked about that. And by the way, again, they don't offend you. You just choose not to forgive them. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Listen, if we have reaped forgiveness, shouldn't we sow it? He said, freely you've received, freely give. Forgiveness is part of that. Freely we've received forgiveness, so we need to freely give that to other people. Above all, notice, above all, above everything. Remember 1 Corinthians, the very first chapter we looked at, it said, make love your goal. This is above all, clothe yourselves in love. Above everything, number one, love. Not faith, not money, not health, love. Why? Because if love is your number one, everything else falls into place. Everything else. Everything else falls. Your family falls into place. Your relationships fall into place. Everything falls into place when you make love your number one, which binds us all together in harmony. When there's a lack of harmony, it's because there's a lack of love. Somebody fell out of love. That's why there's no harmony. That's why there's no peace. See here, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. If you don't have peace in your life, look at your love. Peace is a, 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 a characteristic love. I guess we could put it that way. It's a fruit of love. Whenever you're in love, you have peace. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. A lack of thankfulness indicates my, my love's off. A lack of peace indicates my love's off somewhere. Listen, because we are people of love, when we don't love, we know. And what happens is we don't watch, we can get into guilt. The Bible says the key of faith is a clear conscience. When our conscience isn't cleared, it affects our faith. That's why. So we see here what's love supposed to be. It's above all. Number one. So when we're taking ground, when we're doing those different sorts of things, what we need to do is we need to love. Now, you may be thinking, well, how do I do that? I've got people in my life who are unlovely. Well, most of you are baptized in the Holy Ghost. You pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Most people who don't love don't pray in tongues much. It comes back to that. Because as I pray in tongues, the Bible says it improves me. Makes me better. Well, how much better can you get than a person of love? As I pray in tongues, it makes me better. And I will walk in love better. It helps me to live more out of my spirit than my soul and my body. That's what it tells me. It says I'm edified. I'm, I'm built up when I pray in tongues. So 
so it comes back to that. If you don't know about praying in tongues, if you don't understand praying about tongues, you can ask Miss Elaine or talk to her. I don't know. We might have some books. We talked about it earlier. Might have some things in the bookstore you can look at. There's a little mini book called Why Tongues. But if you want something to change your life, if you want to be a person who walks more fully in that love, let me encourage you. Increase your time that you pray in tongues. It changes everything. And listen, when you're praying in tongues, don't be thinking about how you want to, you know, pound that person. Amen. You know, that's never good. And we've all done that. We pray in tongues and think about hamburgers instead of what we ought to be thinking about. Don't act like you've never done it. I know you have. But that's the thing. As we pray in tongues, focus on forgiveness. Focus on love. I'll just say, Father, I thank you. I'm improving myself. And as I pray in tongues, you will. And you'll notice that stuff doesn't bug you the way it used to. Amen. Isn't the word good? Isn't the word good? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your blessing. I thank you for letting me, me minister today. What a great honor. I speak blessing over my brothers and sisters. I thank you that we're people who not only know love, but we're people who live love. Thank you for helping us to make the decisions we need to make to improve ourselves, to step into new places with you, to step in new places for our family, for our brothers and sisters. And Father, to, to take ground and step into places that will help people we don't even know. We do it because we love you and because you are love. We know that it will be a great benefit to all of the people that enjoy what our prayers are doing for them. And we praise you for it, Father. Glory to God. I thank you for the angels that go with my brothers and sisters as they head home. Thank you for guarding them, watching over them, protecting them. And all of the different life groups that are going on this week. We just thank you. They'll have a wonderful time. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Pastor George.